This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Stuff that also matters, especially on Google Play side, is the app size, because uh, there are lots of emerging markets where uh, Android is dominant and people just don't have good enough connections, but they actually want to play games and money. The better job you do at optimizing your game, the higher chances you have to be downloaded. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by StoreMaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing here at Stormaven. And today, I'm really excited to be here today with Johan, head of ASO at Tilting Point. Hey, what's up? Hey, nice to be here. Long time to see. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, where are you at right now? Uh, so I've been in Barcelona for three days. I came here from my hometown in Ukraine uh, to uh, chill, to change the atmosphere from winter to, I don't know, a warmer winter, I guess, and to catch up with the colleagues. But this is kind of postponed right now because of all of the COVID cases. So maybe next week or the week after that. Yeah, I hope that uh, COVID, uh, that by the time that you're uh, listening to this episode, COVID, uh, th- this wave has calmed down. Um, cool. So you've been one of the people that I I know, and I think a lot of people know, uh, I've been in ASO since the birth of the industry for about 10 years or so, no? Yeah, more or less. So the thing is, I jumped on the uh, uh, App Store hype back in 2011, to be exact. Uh, and I was dealing with uh, App Store specifically, uh, news concerning Apple, stuff like that, even some kind of jailbreaking stuff. Uh, but then I switched uh, from uh, copywriting, social media, SEO to ASO because I liked it more and it was kind of fresh thing back in the day, like 2012, 2013. And yeah, I've been working in the ASO field since then. So for like nine years already. Cool. Can, can you walk us through a bit uh, uh, through your career? Like uh, which companies did you work for? Um, which industries? Uh, yeah, I started at a game development company called Megarama. It's actually a Tel Aviv-based company, so you might know the guys. Yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure to work with David and the team for, I guess, three years, growing from totally junior ASO guy to a team lead at some point. And then I uh, switched to non-gaming generous, and I worked at I don't know, up to 10 companies, probably from 2016 to 2019. And then I kind of settled with gaming again, working with G5 for half a year. And then I finally landed at Tilting Point, uh, keeping the gaming 
in general. Awesome. And how does ASO is structured in Tilting Point? Like, uh, for I mean, most people know uh, the name, but how many games do you have? How how kind of uh, ASO is structured uh, within the team? When it comes to organics, we have more than 30 games in our portfolio right now. And uh, we have, I guess, seven people right now because we're constantly hiring and uh, the number fluctuates a little bit. But uh, yeah, a person handles usually five to six games. Cool. And and how does it relate to the user acquisition name? Like, what's the level of uh, cooperation between the teams? Uh, as high as possible, honestly. Uh, we have constant uh, calls to catch-ups, like weekly, and we have all these Slack chats and whatever. So we keep in touch both with uh, page creatives, uh, featuring. We try not to get siloed and work together as much as possible because obviously uh, page influences uh, organics a lot and when it comes to creatives we want to be uh, consistent in a way yeah for sure and um it, there's a question I'm, i keep getting from people that listen to these to these episodes uh, in this podcast which is measurement of aso basically they're they're and you have a lot of perspective on it like there's good metrics and good KPIs to measure ASO, and there's bad ones. Um, could, could you talk a bit about how you see um, ASO measurement and how how it can be done in a good way? I would say that downloads are probably is the good one. It's the kind of North Star for us. Uh, we use conversion rates, uh, organic revenue, impressions, page views as well, but they're kind of... Uh, helping categories, I would say helping metrics, but we mostly measure installs. And the way we do that, that's a totally different topic. It might take an hour or even more because uh, you can measure traffic from the consoles directly. You can uh, set up custom dashboards. That's what we are having right now uh, at Tilting Point. And then there's questions like mm, how much does UH uh, influence uh, organics, uh, the featureings, the, I don't know, suddenly crash rates or whatever, something went wrong with the release. Uh, a huge chunk of organic traffic is counted as uh, uh, Google uh, ads or vice versa. So if you see at organic traffic, if you see organic traffic in Google Play Console, it doesn't mean it is totally organic. It's mixed. For sure. So, yeah, we are doing our best to get the clear organic picture and uh, to measure and improve on that. Awesome. Um, I know that you guys are investing a lot in in app events and it's 2022 now. Um, we started the year with a lot of different tools that uh, ASO folks didn't have in 2021. Um, In-app events was the first that came out. Uh, custom product pages came out towards really the end of December. Um, and an adoption of it is still being rolled out in terms of ad network supporting the usage of the custom products, uh, product pages. And uh, lastly, product page optimization, the ability to A-B test natively uh, on your default uh App Store product page. So let, let's focus a bit on in-app events. Um, could you walk me through the value you see in adopting in-app events and using them and how you approach, uh, you know, implementing uh, in-app events? 
Yeah, so overall, we're trying to stay on top of what's going on in the industry uh, by communicating to Apple and Google directly, as well as reading for some blogs, ASOS Tech, uh, whatever it is, different uh, resources. And uh, as you know, in App Events were introduced back in June at WWDC. Three kind of make a, made a check mark for us uh, that it's happening at some point and we should be ready. And uh, when it was introduced uh, at the end of October, like October 22nd, I guess, uh-huh. uh, was on Friday. Uh, on Monday, we actually uh, had the almost the whole team together here in Barcelona office and we brainstormed, we enabled in app events for our. Uh, Tilting points account. And within three days, we prepared nine in app events and pushed them to the store the day it went live on 27th. Wow. And yeah, four of those nine events were featured by Apple, probably because we were one of the first and they had some placeholders for that. So they pushed us uh, to be featured and we had some amazing results. even though they didn't roll out the analytics at the time, they did it last week, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we measured the impact uh, by simply subtracting the uh, uplift uh, from the consoles and calculating the uplift for impressions and uh, the downloads, which was <laughs> quite substantial for some games. Yeah, it was. Was it through browse traffic or search traffic or both? I think it was browse traffic mostly. Mm-hmm or even 100%, just because the way it is. They are indexed uh, in search in app events. So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, I mean, now there's the analytics to, to show it, like, um, and to filter uh, data in App Store Connect by in-app event. But uh, I just wonder if you saw, like, any kind of impact on search. It was less than browse, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll still kind of investigating. We don't see like a huge uplift in keyword positions or uh, search traffic specifically, but uh, there is a portion of search traffic. Awesome. So let, let's uh, turn into the creative uh, side of it. Like wh- what's your, what was your approach in terms of choosing which events to promote? I mean, probably some of them are in-app events that are happening through the live ops team. Um, but uh, how do you approach like identifying events that are good candidates for in-app events on the App Store, and then uh, preparing the creative, uh, the creatives and the title and the description for these, these events? Uh, so we have a roadmap of events. And when they were first launched, it was Halloween, obviously. So we had this prepared for all of the games. And we just uh, slapped the creatives onto the uh, store and launched those. But usually we have uh, the roadmap uh, for two or three months in advance. Uh, We do our best to uh, keep the developers informed and stay in touch with them to get the uh, creatives, uh, the metadata, whatever is needed, the in-game content in a timely manner. And yeah, when it's time, we just uh, prepare the event uh, in advance because it might take some time now for it to get approved, like up to one week or even more. Uh And we just make sure it is approved and when it's time, we release it to the store. Cool. And and what's really interesting there now with the data is that you can see like the impact on re-downloads and new downloads as well. Like how mm-hmm. it, how it, because 
if you think about events as like new content for the game, one of the key um the key benefits of doing that is to re-engage lapsed users that once played a game, but uh either they just churned. I mean, they played uh, through enough of it and, and there wasn't any new content and now there's new content. Um, and there could be also impact for new downloads as they see the event as like a compelling event to why to install, why they should install now um, the game. So uh, that's uh, that's that's going to be pretty cool to measure with the analytics. I know it's it just rolled out, uh, but that's uh, going to be nice. Um, there's another capability with in-app events, which is you can produce a link that sends user directly to an in-app event card when it's open. Um, mm-hmm. Does your do you use that in any innovative way? Like I, I heard a few developers uh, that are leveraging that in terms of like actually running a campaign that leads people to an in-app event or using it through uh, cross promotion. Did you have any experiments around that? I don't think we had any cross promotion, but uh, yeah, we use the direct links to the event, and yeah, it helps a lot for tracking in in UA campaigns. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! And you saw the performance. How's the performance of those? I don't have the exact numbers right now, but it's okay. It's good. Cool. In general, yeah. Awesome. And and what do you think about the other features uh, that the App Store has released uh, to for in term around ASO with like. Uh, custom product pages that uh, just been re- uh, rolled out and uh, A-B testing through product page optimization natively on the default uh, product pages. I do know that uh, there's some mixed feelings uh, amongst the community around uh, that mm-hmm. A-B testing uh, functionality. What are your thoughts? First of all, it is revolutionary that they finally released this and you can actually natively A-B test on the platform and uh, improve your conversion and uh, attract different kinds of users for the same product by using uh, custom product pages. But yeah, as you mentioned, we have uh, mixed results and mixed feelings. We were able to successfully test some stuff, but as you know, uh, you can only test things uh, until you release a new version. So when you release a new version, you need to stop the test and uh, run it again uh, when the build is live. So there are some shortcomings, but mm, hopefully Apple will work on that uh, in the future, later this year. And um, for custom product pages, yes, we are looking into this iron source solution, but... uh, Unfortunately, not the whole portfolio uses iron source. So for that, uh, there are some third-party solutions uh, emerging on the market that uh, allow to connect Facebook to custom product pages and redistribute traffic and do some more flexible stuff. So we're looking into that and planning to use it full force uh, in Q1 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I think that most ad networks will support it um, given that, first of all, Iron Source already did it, and they're kind of the first, so all other ad networks would want to be in in like feature parity with uh, Iron Source, and uh, Search Ads is is going to adopt uh, custom product pages, and they'll be they'll allow you to have a custom product page connected to each uh, Search Ad campaign. Um, mm-hmm. It's still unclear at which level if it's going to be at the ad set level or the ad level, but. Uh, you're going to be able to use cost CPPs as we call them with uh, search ads. So eventually I 
see that in the next few weeks, maybe a couple of months, uh, pretty much every ad network will allow you to set up a campaign and use a custom product page instead of the default one. That there's a, a big question around who owns it, like in Tilting Point, is it under ASO or under UA? Like it requires kind of a close rela- uh, a partnership between the two teams as the UA team would view it as a part of the campaign. Like you can have a very holistic creative experience by matching the creatives on the product page with the, those on the ad. And, uh, but on the other hand, the team that understands the most uh, about how to convert users in the app store is the ASO team. So how are you dealing with this? Who owns CPPs? Uh, Yeah, exactly. There should be a close connection. And uh, this is both on UA and ASO from both sides. But uh, at Tilting Point, uh, mostly organic team uh, owns the process. We obviously right now don't have enough experience in setting this up. And we're running smoothly, but uh, we're going there. We work closely with uh, UA, and actually that was one of the points in uh, getting our communication better and closer in 2021, just because of this feature we're coming up. Awesome. I, I think there's another aspect to it, which is um, it's also another update in, in App Store Connect, but uh, using CPPs, like... Going for a sec to to the UA team, they have a huge challenge of measuring and attributing their UA campaigns because of the deprecation of the IDFA. Like uh, mm-hmm. what they could do before was to measure in a deterministic way the return on ad spend for each one of their campaigns, ad sets, and ad creatives through uh, an MMP like Apps Flyer or Just. Um, after the deprecation of the IDFA, that capability has been uh, deteriorating pretty rapidly. Um, some com- some attribution companies have offered probabilistic attribution, but it's way less accurate than it was. And, and some of them are leveraging um, fingerprinting technologies that Apple technically banned, but they're still, uh, they still didn't start to enforce it really uh, uh, aggressively. So some, some folks have been uh, utilizing that. Um, that doesn't work in, in self-attributing networks such as Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok. Uh, so traffic there is even harder to measure. And then Apple is, is releasing custom product pages and within App Store Connect allowing you to see, to filter uh, data by custom product page. And in, in, in the case that you're monetizing through in-app purchases, you're actually able to see sales on an aggregated level by custom product page. And if you know which kind of traffic and which campaign is is hitting a custom product page, uh, you get attribution back at an aggregated level. So I think the uh, UA teams around the world are really interested in regaining some of uh, their visibility into the performance of UA campaign by utilizing custom product pages. Not even starting to think about the increases to conversion rate you can you can achieve by uh, matching the creatives between the custom product page and the ad creative. Uh, but just by getting that uh, uh, pretty accurate measurement through Apple. And I think the reason that Apple did that was to kind of give back to developers some kind of tools and visibility into uh, their marketing performance, their paid marketing performance at least, because they didn't have any beef with uh, UA teams measuring the effectiveness effectiveness of their UA campaigns. Uh, Their beef was with ad networks, uh, such as Facebook, Facebook was the the main one 
kind of building user graphs based on user data and using it for targeting. That's where their problem was. And they declared war on that, not on the ability to measure uh, return on ad spend. So I think that UA teams would demand, uh, I would at least from conversation that I have, that uh, they'll use custom product pages across all their UA campaigns, even if it's the same creative. Like some teams are just duplicating custom product pages using the same creatives, but just using it as a measurement uh, um, methodology. So uh, uh, that's pretty cool. C- could you... What are your thoughts in terms of the creative strategy for custom product pitches? Like, how do you think which which kind of m- different messaging you should em- employ in different pages? Uh, yeah, we kind of created a framework for that. And we have a lot of ideas, actually, for different type of games, genres that we have in our portfolio. And we're just starting to roll this out as we setting up the custom product pages and the whole uh, Facebook traffic thing. Uh, but for games, it is mostly highlighting different features to different kinds of users for us. We want to test that first. How, how do you identify... Can you give us like an example of... Uh... Like, what do you mean by different features and, and how do you, how do you develop hypotheses as to which feature would drive uh, the most of which audience to install? Like, uh, So when we start working on a game, we develop a couple of personas, if that is possible for a game. And uh, there are achievers, there are communicators, there are like usually up to five, I guess, different types of players that uh, play the same game uh-huh. and though if you don't get into the nitty-gritty you just uh, follow the whole flow you might think it's just the same type of user which is actually not and uh, different people different kinds of users have different goals and they enjoy the games in a different way so some people just go there to chat with the friends do some raids or whatever it is the gameplay some people just want to chill while watching Netflix. Some people uh, want to be first in the leaderboard, no matter what, spend thousands of dollars playing mastery games or yeah, different cases. And uh, we tested that kind of stuff uh, for both Google Play and iOS, uh, mostly for iOS on uh, testing platforms, third-party testing platforms like StormAven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we saw good results uh, for uh, different user types as well as, yeah, we set up different traffic campaigns with uh, different creatives at the beginning. So the user flows were different and we want to try to replicate this on uh, custom product patches now. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see how, like, I'm, I'm lucky to be on the forefront. We've been working on, like, a few different solutions around uh, how do you identify, you know, which networks and which campaigns and until to the uh, t- until the sub publisher level, basically, which games they're coming from to, to your product page, and how do you understand which audience is coming from where? Um, and to do that, there's like a massive amount of work needed and a lot of data science. But basically, uh, the in a nutshell, if you can break down all of your paid UA campaigns by contextual funnels, I'm not talking about like categories in the app store because then it will show, of course, that everybody's coming f- through hyper-casual. But mm-hmm. let's talk about, I don't know, an audience. Uh, you can learn a lot about an audience from just understanding which games they're playing and 
right now and where did they come from to your product page? So uh, a contextual funnel could look like um, match three themed games with a um, detective theme or just any kind of theme, like a garden Even scale. RPG elements. Yeah, even, even RPG elements. Fusion, yeah. yeah, and all these kind of fusions, it tells you a lot about the audience that play these kind of games. A lot more than you can just say about uh, people that play casual games or uh, mid-core games. And if you break it down at that level, you can identify different funnels, which campaigns and ad networks are driving these audiences to your product page through which campaigns, basically. And then you can implement custom product pages with the, the matching themes to these places. It requires a lot of work and, and, and there's, uh, there, there, again, there's a lot of data science and it's really tough to do this on a manual level because you need to export all of the data from uh, either your MMP or App Store Connect. And uh, we developed uh, such a tool called Funnel Analytics and there is uh, um, a few dozen companies that have started using this and, and they see amazing success in identifying in which campaigns they should implement uh, which custom product page to maximize uh, conversion rate and the return on ad spend. So that's pretty cool because I think it, it looking uh, forward in 2022, I think it, it's really exciting for ASO folks because it's like the way that marketing used to be. It's like thinking about the audiences, wh- why they actually want to install or play my games or an app if you're an app person. And... Uh, and then connecting the messaging to that. And, and that's after years and years that the UA teams have been used to basically give a dollar to Facebook and get back a quality user. And they had no idea how they reached that user. Like they didn't have to think about targeting and so on. Just threw creatives into Facebook and other ad networks and let the machine the, uh, driven by user level data to work and do its optimization. That doesn't work anymore. So the ASO team knowing audiences in, in an intimate level, like uh, the way that you described, is really going to drive a lot of performance for acquisition in general, including to the UA team. So it's inspiring to see that the UA team and ASO team in, in Tilting Point is working so close together. I think it can be uh, an inspiration to other teams to to follow suit because without that close relationship and the knowledge that exists in the ASO team and you know the ability to deploy new campaigns and new custom product pages that's in the in within the UA team without combining these two it will be very hard to uh realize that value of custom product pages and for folks and and there's already companies uh with iron source that first adopter of of cpps on the network side for companies using that right now the results are mind boggling like i i, I can't share any numbers uh, but it's it's the kind of uplifts they saw in conversion rates and, and return on ad spend are insane. And we knew this for years because we've tested how different audiences respond to different creatives on the app store side for many, many years. So we know the kind of difference that exists there. Yeah, I think that's also a sign of maturing of the industry, ASO industry specifically, because uh, the way we do stuff and uh, the whole scope of work and the amount of things that we need to pay attention to is uh, much broader than it was uh, like two, three years earlier. So if previously you were doing like A-B testing and updating metadata and do some localizations, now it's much broader. Like it's the whole bouquet of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's it's, it's a really exciting time to be in, in ASO. 
in acquisition in general and organic acquisition specifically, it's it's really fascinating. And I don't I'd have no doubts the companies and teams that will be able to understand that side of the acquisition funnel, the organic side, and leveraging all of these tools will be the teams that'll win in 2022. Um it's it's gonna be a pretty big competitive advantage based on the understanding of their audiences and the understanding of creatives in general. Um, so it, that's pretty cool. Um, we talked about, uh, the, the data side. C- can you dig in a bit more around of what's your data stack? Like, how are you measuring these results? We talked about data coming in through after connect and you, um, mentioned custom dashboards. H- how are things uh, set up in, in Tilting Mode? Cause I know there's a huge measurement problem right now, mostly around organics and teams that used to look at these things solely on the MMP side. Uh, yes, so it's still a bit complicated, but we do our best to get the realistic data and uh, not to play with smoke and mirrors, uh, but get the concrete data on the subject. And first of all, it should be measurable. And second, we should be able to build upon that and see actual improvements. So for that, if you're using a custom solution based on uh, Looker, and we pull in data through APIs, through the consoles, to our dashboard, clean the data as we go, and uh, have the much more uh, easily digestible view, I would say, because if you have 10 plus games you need to work with, and you have two separate consoles, and you need to filter the view for each game. It, it takes like the whole day to go through this stuff. And yeah. when you have the unified thing, you just click through the games, see what's up, it's going down, it's going up. Uh, yeah. You just have a quick look. Uh, you can go in detail if you want, and uh, you can adjust your strategy based on that. So talking about strategy, there is a lot of forces that, that influence uh, organic uh, growth and downloads and impressions. Um, but I, I know that you're focusing a lot on this relationship between paid and organic, but uh, what, what, which can you describe like the kind of influencing powers on organic that you see are the most effective? to drive more organic uh, downloads? Uh, yeah, actually, I spent a good chunk of 2021 uh, creating the organic performance best practices. This is a kind of a presentation for uh, our partners uh-huh. and actually for internal use. And we think about uh, publishing this uh, for a broader audience in 2022. Uh, so what we did is we took all the parameters that are available on the App Store and made correlations between them to figure out which uh, factors uh, influence the uh, organics the most. And we kind of created a short list uh, of those things uh, based on the uh, correlation. The strongest correlations, the more important. Yeah. Uh, Surprise. UA has a lot of correlation with uh, organic traffic. Uh, yeah, for both stores. Yeah, that's kind of uh, through, like for folks that are uh, a bit unfamiliar with that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like my view on it is that it's through an increase in ranking, uh, both on the keyword side and on the top chart side because of uh, 
uh, UA influences first time downloads, which builds into it's one of the mo- more important factors in the the way that the store algorithm works and decides which app to rank uh, first. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cool. And and besides uh, paid UA. So another thing that is important for both stores is the ANRs and crash rates. And uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but uh, there's a bad behavior threshold. I guess mm-hmm. the, uh, for ANRs on uh, Play Store is 0.47. If you're about that, that's a kind of a, a signal for you to uh, fix things. Uh, if it's higher than 1%, uh, you start getting uh, uh, featured uh, less. Mm-hmm. And if it's under higher than 1% or even higher than 1.5% for a long period of time, uh, you essentially lose uh, the good chunk or almost all of the browse traffic you have. Yeah, that's really interesting to, to think about how the ASO practice has evolved. That now you have to, if you don't monitor like ANRs and, and, cra- and crash rates uh, over time as an ASO person, um, you're basically not not doing uh, everything you can to improve organics. So like uh, product metrics that you have to look at, something that was nobody thought about like uh, a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, stuff that also matters, especially on Google Play side, is the, the app size, because uh, there are lots of emerging markets where uh, Android is dominant and people just don't have good enough connections, but they actually want to play games and spend money. Uh, the better job you do at optimizing your game, the higher chances you have to be downloaded. Awesome. These are really good uh, good points. Yeah, hopefully with all the changes on the stores, we'll have some time to shape it up and publish the organic best practices for broader audience in 2022. Awesome. I'm sure that a lot of people would be excited uh, to read that. Um, so running a bit out of time, uh, so I want to ask you a few questions that we ask all of our guests before we, uh, finish for today. Um, if you could give, uh, one tip to somebody like an aspiring mobile growth marketer, maybe somebody that wants to get into organic acquisition array. So today, uh, what would it be? Uh, so from what I see right now, the competition is actually huge between, uh, aspiring marketers. And one thing uh, that people are lacking oftentimes is the lack of practice. So jump on an app or a game as soon as you have a chance. Theory is good, but uh, unless you're familiar with the consoles and do some hands-off stuff, uh, measure that, improve and do this daily, uh, you, you can't really be a professional. Great, uh, great tip. Uh, your what's your favorite mobile growth resource? Like kind of a content recommendation to to folks. If I have to pick one, that would be Mobile Dev Memo because uh, Eric uh, posts a tremendous amount of useful info mm-hmm. there, and they also have a couple of uh, resources based on that, like Quantmore, MGM, Slack Team. Uh, Speaking of Slack, there's uh, an ASOS tech community founded by Feature. Uh, highly recommend to join and follow the professionals, join the discussions. Uh, it's pretty active, probably the biggest uh, uh, ASO community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Thomas P. Uh, 
Languchet, uh, follow them on Twitter, on LinkedIn, also on Twitter, I guess. And from there, you'll get uh, a lot of recommendations. Like there are dozens of uh, good people to follow. And once you follow a couple of them, you'll be good. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I highly recommend following Thomas and, and Sylvain. Sylvain is pretty active on LinkedIn. Thomas is more on Twitter. Um, but he shares like a ton of insights there on, on LinkedIn uh, constantly. Yeah. Cool. Um, and almost last question. What, given that we're in mobile growth and pancakes, what's your favorite uh, flavor of pancake? Uh, something sweet, I guess. Uh, so that could be banana or strawberry. I can't decide between those two. Banana and <laughs> put them together. Bananas and strawberries. That's a, it's a good combo. Ah, okay. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Cool. And, and lastly, if people want to reach out to you uh, to talk about uh, ASO insights, learning from you, just talking about the industry or life, uh, where can uh, they find you? Uh, yeah, mostly on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm trying to catch up on ASO stack uh, as much as possible. Cool. Awesome. All right. That, that's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I really, uh, I learned, a, I learned a lot and it's been uh, fascinating and it's, it's always fascinating talking with people that uh, have such a, uh, a big perspective on, on an industry. Like you've been in ASO since really the early days and you saw how it was evolved. So I think people can you learn have a to lot have from your perspective. Yeah. 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 In yeah. These days. For sure. Cool. So I'll chat with you soon, but, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.